Welcome to another episode of No Need to Ask Podcast. My name is Amani Duncan, and I will be your host on this journey. This episode is CEO Talk with Carlene Roy, founder, visionary, and magic maker for (laughs) the Vanity Group. Now, Carlene is one of my dearest friends, and I'm so glad that she's joining us today because she is someone that truly inspires. I've known Carlene Roy for about 10 years now, and I have been able to watch her develop into one of the smartest businesswomen of our times. It's not easy to have a dream and try to make that dream in So please join me in welcoming Carlene Roy to No Need to Ask podcast. CEO talk. Hey, Carlene. Oh my God. I feel like a, a superstar after that introduction. Well, Thank you, you for are. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only, I'm only, I'm only famous in Memphis. That's the one place I'm famous. They got love for me in the hometown. <laughs> Trying to be a, a global girl. superstar. Right. Listen, listen. Me, me, Yo Gotti and Three Six Mafia, you know, Elvis Presley. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it, girl. But, you know, what you just said right now, I think, is is the most important characteristic of a leader, of a CEO, of anyone that's at, you know, the top of their industry is, is humility. Um, I, I think it's such a amazing quality to have as a leader. And it, 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 I seriously believe that it's what draws people to certain people that are at I the agree. top. Mm-hmm. So, Miss Carlene, I, I think back fondly on our days with Sean Combs Enterprises. <laughs> you know, I, I remember me starting with you guys. Oh, gosh. It was 2000. Yeah, 2008. And I had just left EMI. And, you know, I was greeted by your incredible smile. <laughs> and everybody uh, we, remembers me. They're like, well, Exactly. So, you know, let's talk about those early, early days because, you know, No Need to Ask podcast is really, really about inspiring others, inspiring women, inspiring men and business from shared experiences. So I really want to hear, you know, the, the, the beginning days with you because you are still so young and you've accomplished so much, and you truly are an inspiration to so many people. So take us back to the days of Memphis. Oh, my God. I am a Memphis girl through and through. Um, In a nutshell, I grew up like the Cosby Show. Like, that condo was my world here um, Mm -hmm. in Memphis. My parents were a power couple of Memphis, Tennessee, which is so funny to me, before that even was um, a word, but I grew up in a very loving home. My mom actually was a principal at a performing and creative arts high school. So I've been surrounded by crazy people and inspiring people, people who love to dance, people who love to draw, people who love to create um, mm-hmm. my whole life. And my father was a business owner. My dad was, my, my parents couldn't be opposite. So my mom is kind of like me, like she's a butterfly. And my dad is like about business. So my father was a business owner. He owned a bunch of car dealerships growing Mm -hmm. up, was in Black Enterprise, always on the news. So all of that. So as 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 stern as my father was, he they always um, 
they supported whatever my harebrained schemes were as a kid. Like, whatever I wanted to do, like, my parents were always for it. So they were very supportive. Um, grew up in Memphis, went to Howard, which is the mecca of all things Black excellence. I, I think in your life, you have key life decisions that you make to kind of shift your world. And for me, um, being at Howard, experiencing Howard and graduating from Howard was one of those life-changing um, experiences. I was just surrounded every day by Black excellence, um, extremely competitive, you know, student body of people who wanted to win. So um, it was great to spend your formative years in that type of environment. And, you know, everybody that goes to Howard wants to be a superstar. Just think of anybody that's Black and famous, Taraji Henson, um, Sean Combs, uh, everybody goes to Howard, Lala, you know, so everybody yep. in, in Howard wants to have that whole like Hollywood connection. So I remember as a student, I was watching Sex in the City and mm-hmm. our like study lab. And I saw um, I saw Samantha and I thought that she was the most amazing woman in the world. She was bright. She was sharp. She didn't care what nobody had to say. She wasn't holding right. back. She was fly as hell. I had never seen nobody like so fly in my life. Just like everything about her. And she was doing like cool things. And I remember turning to a friend in the study lab, like, what does she do for a living? Like, what, what is this? And it was like, she's an entertainment publicist. And I literally the next day went and changed my major to PR. I'm like, whatever this woman does, I want to be her. This is the life I want. And that really is oh, what wow. got, got me to New York and got, opened up my world to like, oh, there's something called entertainment. And you can be a publicist and you can have a fly life and get paid to do it. So that is what opened my mind, opened my eyes and opened my mind to like, you know, the New York lifestyle of working in show business, which we do. That's why I think it's so important to do speaking engagements and tell your stories because some people just need to hear and that spark could just open up so many windows of exploration for them. Because growing up in Memphis, you know, you think you can be a doctor or a lawyer Mm -hmm. or a teacher or, you Mm -hmm. know, you work at FedEx, you know, FedEx is, you know, founded here in Memphis, but you don't know that there are so many other careers um, or so many other jobs that you can actually make a career out of. And that's what got me to New York. You touched on something so important, and that's why I love the shared stories so much. You know, I was like you. I I was always thinking I was going to be a lawyer, and I followed the line to be, you know, exactly that. I went to university, did a political science major, um, and then I had that moment of like, okay, I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to do this, but didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. I just remained open, a little stressed, but open. And just Mm -hmm. one day decided I was going to be in the music business and the rest is history. So Mm -hmm. I love your story because I know it can inspire so many people. Like you you don't always have to have it figured out. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Okay. I actually think it's crazy that at 18 years old, between 18 and 21, that someone is saying, decide right now right. what you want to do for the rest of your life. It's like you haven't lived life. You haven't explored. Not you even. haven't met people. You don't You don't know. So I'm always telling young people to don't be afraid to explore and give yourself time to just figure it out. Exactly. Yes. So mm-hmm. you come into New York or were you just like, I'm going to be in the Big Apple? I, everybody graduated and everyone had jobs at Morgan Stanley and at Ford and all these uh, 
fancy companies and I couldn't oh find a job in PR or, you know, public relations. I couldn't find a job. And the summer that I graduated, I went to New York and I met a woman who was the PR assistant at Dev Jam. And I was okay. like, please put me on. Like, what I got to do? Do y'all need another assistant? Like, I was talking <laughs> her all summer. I was. And she was like, and you know from the label, like, those jobs are hard to come by. Especially this yes, was indeed. like early 2000s. So, like, unless somebody mm. died at their desk, it's like, you. there was no openings. It just was not a lot exactly. of openings. So she was like, there is no openings at Dev Jam in the PR department, but you can come and be my intern. But you have to be an unofficial renegade intern because you have already graduated. Like our intern program is only for college students. Mm-hmm. So I, so she gave me the opportunity. I told my parents, I said, I'm moving to New York. I'm taking a U-Haul truck. I'm moving to New York. I'm going to stay on my friend's couch and her futon, actually, because she stayed in the studio apartment. And I'm like, I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to figure it out. My dad was like, you're crazy. I watched mm-hmm. Law and Order and Dateline. You're going to get ate up in Central Park and on the subway. They was like, don't do it. Bring your butt back to Memphis. But my mom, my mom was like, I'm rooting for you. And my dad was like, uh-uh, bring your ass back home. So I go to New York and I am an unofficial intern at Dev Jam, which means you come in as a visitor and you just stay all day. Like you get your visitor pass and you just stay in there all day long. So I will be the first one there, the last person to leave. And I interned there unpaid for like damn near a year. And my mom would like secretly send me money uh so I can like live and eat and and all of that. So, but it, that's what I had to do to get my foot in the door if I wanted to work in the music business or in, in the entertainment industry. And I wouldn't trade it for the world because working at Dev Jam just opened up so many doors for me. Of course. And, you know, mm-hmm. I want to stop you and just highlight the gems that you are dropping right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you found a way in. It may not have mm-hmm. been the perfect way, but you mm-hmm. found a way in. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's like it's. I always knew we had so many similarities, but I didn't know we had this many similarities <laughs> because I was also a college graduate intern when I started mm-hmm. at Def Jam West. And but, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't we weren't that official where we had to like key in and key out with security. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I was the oldest intern, you know, yeah, but I, I was like, I found my way in. And then once mm-hmm. you got in, you made magic. You're good. You're good yeah. You know, yeah. Um that is so incredible. Yeah. Uh, and I love your dad because my parents were the same way. I mean, I literally <laughs> told them on a Friday that I was moving to New York and I was on the red eye Sunday night. Heading to JFK. Yes, my mother's crying. My dad's just praying, <laughs> you know, yes. and I just listen, fortune favors the bold. And I try to tell yes. everyone that I speak to that is looking for professional advice. You got to humble yourself. You mm-hmm. got to be prepared to be the first one in the office and the last one to leave. You mm-hmm. have to be prepared to separate yourself from the masses because mm-hmm. there's a, a hundred yous trying yeah. to get a job, trying to hustle. And it all comes down to who hustles the hardest. So, yeah. and, and I don't think our parents are trying to hate on us. Like my parents, mm-mm. your parents are hating on your dreams. I just think that they are afraid and they want the of course. best for you. Of course. Mm-hmm. of course. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, back then the music industry was still like 
Is that even a real job? Is it a thing? Yeah. My dad never is it a, thing? It a real job. Yeah. Same he's here. Like, it's not a real job. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, my, being an intern is not a job. Do you get insurance? Do you have a business card? Like, you he have a 401k? Like, yeah. What? I was like, a 401? What? What's the area code? Like, I didn't know what they were talking about. I was just like, I'm in the building. Like, let me just live my life. <laughs> oh, that's that's real though, because our parents mm-hmm. love us and they wanted the best for us. But um, it's mm-hmm. still funny now. It wasn't funny then, but it's sure it it's funny, funny now. No, yeah, not yeah. not at all. So you're sitting here hustling. You're at you know Def Jam. You're interning. Mm-hmm. What happened? I mean, what was you know? There, I'm waiting for the big like I've landed yeah. X. Like yeah. what happened? So- I'm at Def Jam. I'm like number one intern. And then I'm also just volunteering around the town. So if it's fashion week, I somehow work my way into back to helping backstage. If it's the MTV Awards, I'm somehow helping with the baby fat show. Like I'm just like, I have my hands in like everything I could have my hand in. And I met a gentleman at Def Jam, Tashawn Gale. And at that time, Tashawn worked in the marketing department. Yes, and Tashawn was leaving and I caught him on his way out. He said, I'm about to blow up. I just found this artist named Neo. And when I get settled, I'm going to holler at you. And I was like, okay. Like, I just was not thinking that he was for real. And then, like, he literally called me maybe a week later and was like, we want to hire you to, like, be our assistant. So Neo had just got signed. It was that summer that, like, Neo, Rihanna, Jeezy, Mm -hmm. they all got signed that same summer at Def Jam. And he said, we're going to give you a job. And that was like my first official, like getting put on job. I just want to reiterate what you said. Like he stopped and said his intentions for you. So Mm -hmm. you're always on stage. I try to remind people of that. People are always watching you, even when you think they're not watching you. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you always got to come out the gate at your best. Yes. People watch. I watch mm-hmm. people when they mm-hmm. when they're not too. thinking I'm watching them. I'm mm-hmm. checking them out, seeing how they interact with others, and I'm also mm-hmm. listening to what people say about them when they're not in the room. Yeah. So, everyone out there, please remember you're always on stage and because mm-hmm. Carlene was on stage, it led to her first paying opportunity. Her job, yeah. Her gig. So, yeah. so tell me about working with Tashawn and working with Neo. So yeah, I was the assistant to Neo's production company, which which is called Compound. So I assisted Tashawn, I don't know if you know Tango, Tashawn, Tango, and Neo. So it was like, it was mm-hmm. the four of us. And I was just figuring out, I was booking flights with the label, like the artist, you know, development department. Like I was helping pick out hats. I would be going to the photo shoot, bringing like water, like whatever they needed me to do. It was like a quintessential, like assistant job, whatever Mm -hmm. they needed me to do. That's what I did. And I worked there. Um, And then I learned so much from Tashawn. He's so beloved in the music industry um, and very, very much unsung. I loved how calm that he is all the time. Like it could be like the biggest fire and Tashawn is like not going to flinch Mm-mm. about it. So I learned so much from him. He was a mentor to me then. Um, and he's a mentor to me that now. So you're right. People are always watching you. Like you, even as an intern, he was watching and was like, yo, this girl is moving and shaking. And like, whenever like my shit pop off, like I'm, she's going to be the one I call. So I'm always like forever grateful for him just for like giving me the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So 
okay, so you're working at yeah. Compound, which is incredible, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What happened I'm next? At Compound. I leave Compound. I go to Legacy Recordings, which is the catalog division for Sony. I'm working in copyright. So I'm working in, co- that was like my first job where I had like insurance and I had like a steady paycheck and I worked at 550 Madison. Um, so that was like amazing for me. Like went through training. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. You know, I could get a company, I mean, employee discount at the Sony store, you know, all these things. Um, and my dad, my dad was like, now that's what you call a real job. Yeah. Yeah. Like my dad was very happy about that, but I would work at Sony during the day. And then the evening I would volunteer at violator management. So I actually went in, and this is another story, I actually got to Violator because I went in to interview to be Mona Scott's assistant and I didn't get the job. Mm-hmm. So I was around, it was like, well, we're, we're not going to hire you, but we need help. So okay. if you want to like stay around and just kind of like get in where you fit in, then you can. So I would be at Sony during the day and in the evening I would go to Violator and work in the evening. So I would work under Claudine Joseph and Lori Dobbins and they became like my big sisters and I just was like so amazed by them and how they were like running shit. And they were like working on Missy tours and it'd be like 18 million dancers and I'd be like typing up the itinerary like they were (laughs) running shit. And for anybody that's listening, that's young, Violator is basically the original Rock Nation. Like it was the music management company. If you were an artist, you know, like they manage everybody who's on top of their game. So shout out to Chris Lighty. Love Chris. Miss him dearly. I know. Oh, Chris, he was my other boss. Once we get there, but Chris (laughs) thought he was my boss too. So of course um, he did. Of course he did. So it was at Violator who also managed Puff, that the opportunity came about to work at Bad Boy. Claudine was like, yo, they hiring at Bad Boy. Um, We think that you'll be perfect for this job. So again, being in the right place, in the right time, um, being very humble, working, and just happened to be there when the opportunity came. So um, got the opportunity of the lifetime to work at Bad Boy. Let me tell you, I, I was there for a few reasons. The first time I went in was to be Harv's assistant. Harv was the president. I didn't get okay. that job. Okay. Then, then they remember me and they brought me back to because they were hiring for assistant for the chief of staff, DSM. Okay. So I got that job. I originally got in the building as being Dia's first assistant. So for anybody that's listening, it's like you have the assistants, then you have the chief of staff, and so she's like the right hand to the boss. Absolutely. So I worked there as Dia's assistant. And then at this time, Puff had a million assistants. And so Dia's, Dia's first assistant is actually Puff's unofficial second assistant. That's, that's how it works as far as like support staff. So Puff's first assistant left and he didn't have an assistant. So one day he was at the office. Amani, I was so scared. This was late at night. And you know from working at Bad Boy, you work late. Like, it's nothing oh, to yeah. work late. There's no it's out. nothing to work late. Right. So um, Mr. Combs was in the office late one evening. And I thought to myself, if I want to be his assistant, because he do- at this point he doesn't know I exist. I'm just a girl who works in the office. So very much Devil Wears Prada. So... I go in his office, literally knock on the door, knock, knock, knock. 
timers to calms. Um, I, I don't know if you know me, but I'm Carlene. I'm, you know, Dia's assistant and, you know, the second assistant in the office. I noticed that your assistant is no longer here. I want to offer my support to you. So if there's anything you need in the interim as you guys are maybe looking for someone, like, I want you to know that, like, I'm here and I'm available for you. And he was on his library, was like, okay, all right. And then, like, walked out the office. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. What did I just do? I, like, walked back to my office with my hands in my head. And that night, I got an email from him, and it said, book me a jet to go to D.C. And that was my beginning to... I never booked a jet in my life. I had to figure it out. I called Dia, like, he emailed me and said, book a jet? Like, what does this mean? And that was how I got my job as Carlene Puff's assistant. I just stepped to him. Fortune favors the bold. Seriously. Mm So I want to stop right here and and point out a correlation. So if you go back to the episode with Jaha Johnson, the head of A&R for Hitco Music, you will remember him recounting a story of him very early in his career, walking up to L.A. Reid in the hallway and having a conversation that was so pivotal that he decided to go into the creator side and work in A&R. If you can remember my story of getting in, getting a job at Def Jam West Coast office as the office manager, and then proceeding to call Kevin Lyles in New York. Kevin Lyles is the CEO of 300 Entertainment now and making sure that I was on his call sheet every single day. And eventually he offered me a job. And and now Carlene is saying, her boldness, even though she might have been so scared, but what boldness, what what confidence it took to knock on the door of Sean Combs and present a value proposition, which ended up with her actually becoming his first assistant. So the correlation is obvious. It's obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, you are the architect of your career. I don't care at what stage you are in entry level or mm-hmm. C-suite, you are the architect mm-hmm. of your career and it's up to Amen. you to make opportunities happen. So mm-hmm. don't let that fall on deaf ears. That is mm-hmm. so important. And I don't, you know, it doesn't matter if you are in the music industry, manufacturing, agency, marketing, whatever. It's still Mm -hmm. the same. Fortune favors the bold. So Mm -hmm. you might be afraid, but put that fear aside because you never know what the outcome can from being bold and assertive. Fortune fortune favors the bold. I'm going to put that. That was actually the tagline we came up with when we were pitching for the Guinness. Fortune favors the bold. And it's just become part of my vernacular. It's yeah, yeah. amazing, right? It's like mm-hmm. You're proof positive, and so many others are proof positive. So you are landing literally the most 
amazing job in your young career working mm-hmm. with a multi hyphenated mogul. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this I is my know, dream job. I mean, literally, literally mm-hmm. your dream job. You are more than putting in your 10,000 hours. Seriously. <laughs> yes. And I, I watch. And I would always leave your area like, I don't know how she does this. I mean, I might even like, Carlene, don't call me in the middle of the night. I, I, never, I know you still at work. Never. I'm going home. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. And I would still get the phone calls. Yeah. Like, I know you're eating dinner, but can you get you? So, <laughs> I, you know, I watched it. I mean, this, you know, Carlene was a force because just imagine everyone, you know, you really need to understand how important this role is that Carlene has. Really the architect of everything that moves around Carlene. And she handled it with such grace and, and integrity. It was like, I love this girl and I want to be her when I grow up. <laughs> Seriously. And, you know, let's talk about, you know, when you say putting yourself out there earlier in the conversation, just, just taking hold of these moments, you know, at Howard, being inspired by the people around you. I mean, you know, you've traveled the world. You've had the opportunity to travel all over the world. Tell us about an experience, you know, abroad that was impactful for you, that helped shape even more your perspective, how you viewed the world, how you viewed your job, how you viewed your future. Because I'm a firm believer Mm -hmm. that travel is so important and and I always encourage people but mm-hmm. traveling just opens your mind to mm-hmm. so many things so tell us about an experience um abroad that really kind of was that aha moment for you mm-hmm. well travel was and you're right traveling definitely will help open up your eyes and peel back the layers um, and as um, Puff's assistant, I, of course, traveled the world. I probably was on an airplane more than I was in my apartment. I actually was on an airplane more than I was um, in my apartment. So we we went all over the world two, three times, you know, working with him. And I believe we were in, it's so funny, I believe we were in Helsinki, Germany, I hmm. believe. And he was doing a show someplace we were doing promo for last train to Paris like we were on an international promo run for last train to Paris which is like we would get off get off the jet be in one city go to another place and I remember being in I think it's Germany I feel like we were in Germany and no one spoke English nobody spoke English but everybody knew who he was like of course it was at that time that I realized that music was universal Mm-hmm. And just like people respond to sound and mm-hmm. the feeling and emotion that music gives you. And it really was at that time that I started listening to a lot of international music. It's like if you can follow the melody and just like get the emotion from it, like it still like makes you feel good inside. So that is when I realized that music is so much bigger than like lyrics on a sheet of paper or just like what we experience here um, in the United States. Um, America. And I was like, wow, here, here we are. He's this global person. They don't even know what he's saying, but they are still so like, you know, like Google Gaga over him. Just like they can't even like wrap their heads around it. I was like, wow, music is just so much bigger than, you know, like what we see day to day. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you hit the nail Mm -hmm. on the head, girl. It Mm -hmm. is global. It is universal. Mm -hmm. And I love that that you had so and continue to have so many amazing experiences. Like, I'm just ready for the book, Carlene. I'm just ready for the book. book. You must. And I would say when I realized I when I was I realized that I was in a lucky place. Maybe we were like in Central Pay or or Can, and we were out shopping. Puff was, and a crowd of people were following him. Like everywhere we went, we would be in the Chanel store. They would have to close it down. We would be in Louis Vuitton. Like people would be outside, like banging on the doors. And uh-huh. I realized, I realized that for hip hop, Puff was really the first to do it. Absolutely. Do it at such a fly level, like being on yachts, uh, white flowers, drinking Fiji water. I remember the first time I seen Fiji water was like on the first making the band. Like mm. they panned to like the band was like at his Park Avenue apartment. Hello. Yes. And then yes. they panned, they panned to Puff on a yacht in Central Pay and he had Fiji water. And I was like, what is that? I never seen water that looks so chic. You know, like I, my eyes were just so wide open. <laughs> and I re- being in a can and just seeing people's reactions to him and how, you know, we react to him in the States. I'm like, he's the first to really show on a broad level, black excellence, Absolutely. being fly and being black and being on yachts and doing fly shit. I mean, we would land and it'll be like 30 Maybacks lined up just the stunt. I'm just like, this, and I would be organizing move. this. Just boss oh. move, just doing dope shit at the highest level. And I'm like, yo, if anything, like he is the architect and I'm just so happy to have a hand in that. And it really was him that refined my taste as far as like mm-hmm. lifestyle mm-hmm. is concerned because he just has such a high palate for living and lifestyle just from like, the fruit in his home to just like the clothes on his mother, mm-hmm. like everything um, was super, super important to him. So he was the first to, to ever do it. And, and my, it's as far as like hip hop. is. So I, I now want to really talk about the man because <gasps> I remember, baby. I mean, <laughs> I remember being up on the top floor and talking with you and you were like, articulating to me this this thought that you had, you know, about this company you wanted to launch. Mm-hmm. And I was more yes. And it was just kind of mm-hmm. like you were just ideating at the time. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to now, I, I just sit back with so much pride, you know, for you. I, I'm just like, I can say I remember when, you know, and you, absolutely you are... Can. You are you are such an inspiration. So talk to us about the Vanity Group. Yeah. So to everybody listening, I want to publicly give a shout out to Amani for believing in me um, very early on before I actually probably believed in myself. So I never some people go to organization like I'm here to sneak because I want to be a boss, too. Like that never was my thinking. I, I was that bad boy to learn and soak up the gym. The thought of working for myself didn't happen till later on. And to your point, Amani, I was just ideating. I'm like, okay, what could I do next? I could start my own company. I could. I, I didn't know what it looked like. So here I go knocking on the CMO's door at Bad Boy. Like, I know you have a million things to do, <laughs> but do you have a few minutes to talk to me about like my life while you're trying to run a whole global, you know, corporation over here? And Amani was gracious enough to take out time to 
to speak to me. And I came to Amani and I said, I have this idea or I'm thinking of starting my own business. And Amani went into full CMO mode. She called a meeting in our executive conference room on the 16th. She has the other marketing people in there. I think we had the art director in there. I didn't even know what the art director was. Like Amani has all these people in there just to like brainstorm and ideate with me. Just like what this could be from like logos to like taglines. Like I was just like, oh shit, is this like what really happened? So thank you, Amani, for actually like lighting the spark for me because I had never had that opportunity before just to like sit in a room like that for my own being. I've been in rooms like that my whole career, especially at Bad Boy, the best of the rooms with the brightest people. But for someone to call that talent for me, it's like, I'll, I'll never forget it. And it means so much for me. And Imani taught me, Imani taught me two other lessons. So she did that. She taught me also to get on LinkedIn. I had never heard of LinkedIn. So let me tell y'all, when you are working for someone like Sean Combs, the rest of the world is oblivious to you because you work all day, all night. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. There's something called LinkedIn? Like I had never heard of it. So she definitely was like, you are a professional. People need to see like where you are and what you do. You need to be on LinkedIn. So now I'm obsessed with LinkedIn. I tell everybody like, you need to be on LinkedIn. And then from a lifestyle perspective, um, Amani saw me one day and I had a Chanel bag and it was stuffed with was just like a bunch of shit. It probably had like 18 blackberries in it. It did. Applesauce, <laughs> all types of shit in it. And Amani was like, a woman never stuffs her Chanel bag. That was the never. end of that for me. That was the end <laughs> of that for me. I said, oh, this is what the fly girls do. I'm doing it too. Like at that, that point, I was like, I have my Chanel bag. I have a bigger tote yes. nice luxury tote for yes. everything else so that was when I started like oh even like my accoutrements is like a young professional woman like needs to be together too so thank you for brightening I mean opening that door for me because I had I, <laughs> I, I can't had believe you remember of, that story I did I had all types <laughs> of things like falling out that Chanel bag like it was stuffed mm. to the core it, um, it was so full <laughs> yeah, it was fun. The spark of the Vandy Group started when I was in Bad Boy, but I actually didn't launch it until 2013. And the Vandy Group is a New York-based um, event production company. But we don't do any old events. We do events for your favorite celebrity, your favorite artist, your favorite actor. So we work with everybody from Common. I still work for Puff. Uh, DJ Khaled, Migos, Justin Bieber, Cardi B, you name it. They got Grammys or Oscars. We probably work for them. That's right. Um, and I got, when I was, what, once I had resigned from Bad Boy, I actually was talking to a good friend of his and he said, Carlene, whatever you do next, it got to be the flyest shit ever because you don't get an opportunity of a lifetime to work for someone like Sean Combs. All the contacts you have all the know-how and wit and wisdom that you picked up and go do some regular shit. You, whatever mm-hmm. it do, it has to pop off. So I knew, like, whatever this next thing is, it has to pop. And seven years later, it has completely, it completely popped. I mean, I could wax poetic about <laughs> just the greatness of Carlene for hours on end because it just, I love to see women of color exercise their power. And their potential. And and we're talking about a young lady that was so young and and yeah. she just had wisdom. Just just to see you now is just I don't know. 
it just makes me proud. And and everyone needs to check out Carlene's uh, website, the Vanity Group's website. You just need to understand the creativity and the work and the passion that goes behind every bespoke event that they it's it's bar none and it's the reason why carlene i mean you're a household name in the industry Uh, there i don't know anyone that does not work with you i mean you 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 named all these artists but you you know we would be remiss not to mention netflix yeah netflix you know major brands blue Mm -hmm. chip brands you know keep shining i'm trying well, you're doing more than trying. You're doing more than trying. But, you know, Thank let's you. let's talk about the the difficult times. Like, you know, we're mm-hmm. we're living through a novel pandemic. Yeah. It's 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 mind-blowing when you just stop for a moment and allow yourself to really think about the times that we're living in. So, mm-hmm. you're resilient, you know, you're so creative. What have you been doing during this time? What have I been doing? So at the beginning of the pandemic, I would tell you, Imani, I literally was like depressed. Yeah. I did not, I could not conceptualize that a global plan- pandemic was happening and it was directly impacting my business. Because if you have to be six feet, six feet away and you can't gather, you can't have an event. The purpose of an event is to be together, is to gather, you know, reverently. Like this is what the purpose of an right. event is. So I, I know all industries took a hit, but our industries in particular, because like you can't work at all. You know, right. there's there's no live events if you can't gather. So I'm gonna tell you, I was depressed. I feel like I was in my bed looking out the window at the rain, like I was in the R and B um Trey Songs video. Like I was like, oh God. Like I was like, yo, is this a Hype Williams video? Cause I am just like looking like an R and B extra right now. So <laughs> I was so sad, just like looking out my window, like what actually is happening? And then like, once I got out of my funk, I had a conversation with my staff and I was like, now is the time for me to figure out and work on saving the business. So we actually have a business to come back to. Like, this is not going to be the end of us. And this is not going to be the end of the vanity group. So I really had to put my CEO hat on and mm-hmm. do the things so like a lot of founders because you know it's very glamorous now to be a founder and say that you know you're an entrepreneur but like when the rubber meets the road like this was one of those times for me so I had to cut the fat for things that we no longer needed and no longer served us um, I had to like cut some hours for my staff you know like these are real decisions that business owners um, have to make, you know, you have to put your big girl panties on, like speaking to right. like our landlord, where our office is. So making operational changes so that we had a home um, to return to. And um, I know everybody right now is talking about pivot, but for me, I really think it's pivot or perish, you know? So I'm trying to figure out now, like what are some ways that we can remain relevant? We can remain top of mind. And so we now are offering like virtual workshops, Um, A lot of people um, are always asking me for, you know, advice for, you know, how to grow their event business. And a lot of up and coming women who want to be event producers or look up for look up to me. So I would have never had this opportunity when we were in go mode. Like we Mm -hmm. are moving nonstop. We probably produce an event a week between New York, L.A., um, Miami and Atlanta. So I would have never had wow. the opportunity. Yeah. So now that I have the opportunity and have a bit more 
flexibility in my schedule. We are, you know, offering virtual, you know, classes to people who want to get an event business. And it has been really successful for us so far. We had a masterclass that sold out twice. Um, so I, I think we're, we're moving in the right direction. So smart. And I can attest you are very booked and busy. We I are booked and everywhere. busy. Oh, I love it. Well, Carlene, before we before we finish and close this mm-hmm. incredible episode, I just want to thank you for leaning in and just being your always authentic self. I just I simply adore you and I'm one of one of your biggest champions. You have so many I am just one of them and I'm proud to be that. But before we close, I always like to ask this question to all of my guests. It's called trading places. Mm-hmm. So you could trade places for a day mm-hmm. with anyone, current or past. Who would mm-hmm. that person be and why? I would want to trade places circa 2008 with Desiree Rogers. So Desiree Rogers was the first Black social secretary at the White House. Um, She worked under the Obama administration. So if you don't know what the social secretary does, she basically basically plans all the events at the White House. And I was like, when I realized that this was a job in 2008, I was like, oh my God, this is my second dream job. So the fact that this Black amazing, tall, sharp, like Monty, she's fly like you. Like she don't play around. Girl, she's more fly than me. (laughs) And she is doing all of the events for Mr. and Mrs. Obama. Like I was just like floored by that. Oh, and let me back up. A lot of people ask like, how do I get into events, you know, as the assistant? So when you're the assistant, you do a lot of things. And one big part of my job was doing the events on behalf of Mr. Combs, whether it be his personal events, and if it's the big events like starting a Hollywood Walk of Fame, I wouldn't be the one planning it, but I would kind of be like the chairperson or, you know, the chair lead on behalf of the chairman. So I got really good at events, especially last minute events. So if the twins wanted to have a birthday party in five minutes, it was my job to do it, you know, and it, it needed Absolutely. to look like it took three years to do it. So I got really good at producing events with the short amount of time. So that is the personality of the Vandy group. But yeah, Desiree Rogers, would be the one that I would love to trade places with. Um, And then before we close, I also just want to thank Amani. So anybody who's ever worked with Amani, I was taken by her the first time I met her. She was like tall, her hair was fly. Like you guys understand there's a reoccurring thing with me like Samantha, did I see Amani? I'm like, who are these women? I've always been um, surrounded by powerful women. I'm happy that you and Monty are in my circle and people always say like, how is it working in the, in the man's industry? And I was like, I've always been surrounded by dope women. So that hasn't been like my story or my experience. So I'm so grateful for you. And another thing, just by showing up and being you, how you inspire the people around you. So thank you. I'm just so happy that, you know, the, the stars aligned and we were, we are now in each other's lives. Okay, I'm crying now, so please excuse me. Don't cry. Oh, honey, I love you. I really do. And thank you for your your kind words. I mean, this is what we do, you know, Mm -hmm. when you get in any position of note. You gotta mm-hmm. you gotta pull up a chair for others. You you need yeah. to make yourself available. Even yeah, you, were you one definitely of those are people. the epitome of reach as you climb. You definitely 
that definitely is your story. Mm, I love you. Well, Carlene, <laughs> I, I mean, this needs to be part one, two, three, four. I mean, we, I hope oh, that you will come back on No Need to Ask podcast because you just, uh, this is a great way to start the day. You are just amazing. And if anyone has the opportunity to meet Carlene in person or to attend one of her incredible bespoke events, I'm telling you, it will be life-changing. So my dear, thank you. I love you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So friends, this is the end of No Need to Ask podcast, CEO Talk with Carlene Roy, founder, CEO of The Vanity Group. So until we meet again, be safe and be well. Mm -hmm.